Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. I am your host, Nick Jenkins, and today I am joined by three friends and co-workers. We're friends and co-workers. We're friend workers. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that either. Yeah, no. you said it, though. I did. I'm all, <laughs> You know, sometimes they're they're not all gold, Matt. <laughs> Friend workers feels like a thing of, like, we're all a family here. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> like, like y'all wear matching jumpsuits. You're never allowed to quit. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is what it sounds like. Yeah. Oh, it's very... Did anybody ever watch uh, The League of Gentlemen? Not the... Not the Gentlemen no, not The League of Extraordinary. Yeah, no. I've always wanted to, though. The League of Gentlemen, that, yeah. that British... Creepy show. Well, creepy. Yeah. I watched the whole thing, and it is one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. I've seen tantalizing t- snippets Ooh, of it on man. YouTube. man, it is. It's mm. it's billed as a comedy, but it is frightening. Those Never British will this. get you every time oh, with their man. F- fake-out comedy. It's really weird. <laughs> this but... is the second episode in a row we're going after Europeans. Oh, well, I don't Was that last week them? or the week before? No, that was last week. Last week. Yeah, because they made because they made they made Highlander two possible. That's true. Um, but <laughs> I don't hate I don't hate the British because just they made a, the League of yeah. Gentlemen. Right. I just think it's a weird, weird show. You just hate everybody on the continent. Uh, <laughs> no, no, again, this is this is Nicole Sweeney. S W E E N E Y. Not me. I want but she that didn't even clear. say she didn't even say the UK. She just said Europe. She, Europe. Yeah, yeah. All of Europe. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Oh. She's not even here to defend herself, so well, I feel bad. Let me talk. Let's say it was let's... Europeans last time. <laughs> That's so. true. Okay. But let's talk about who is here. First, Mariandas Fernandez Silva. Marianas? Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> nope. <laughs> we can nope. add some more syllables. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Marianne Fernandez Silva is here with us. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us on this episode. You're going to have one of the more fascinating perspectives on this, I think, because you were the only person who had not seen this film beforehand. Your take will be fascinating. Also, I've never (laughs) consumed any sort of media associated with this, like, fandom at all. Just zero. I'm just all of, I'm just peripherally aware of it vaguely in pop culture. Right. Okay. And tabletop RPGs. Right. Yeah. That's fair. And sitting next to you, Sam Schultz. Thank you for joining us, Sam. Thank you for having me. Now, I want to know what your experience is with this movie. Oh, my Guaranteed gosh. to be less fascinating. Very yeah, you... much less fascinating. This, I kind of, I was thinking about today, I feel like it's the movie that taught me that I could watch horror movies. Because when I was hmm. younger, I would walk past them at Blockbuster, horror movie. Sure. S- the the aisle and I would see the covers and I'd be like no these are too scary <laughs> and then I'd like think about what they could possibly be and then when I got a little bit older I started reading about them on the internet and it was like oh and then a nail goes through her head that must be the most horrifying thing anyone's <laughs> ever seen and then I like eventually I think my mom and I watched this one together I have no idea why and I was like I had read about this one a ton mm-hmm. so I was like there's gonna be guts and blood I'm gonna be really scared the whole time <laughs> but it was so like it was so dumb <laughs> in a good way that I, and I was like, okay, I'm into this. And then I started watching a bunch of like dumb garbage after that. You were the only so, one here who liked things. Oh, yeah. Things are great. So <laughs> Things is, tra- is like transcendental. <laughs> this, this is like honing in for reality what things was supposed to be. But um, 
so yeah, I love this movie. I've seen it a billion times. Okay. I have the collector's set, which is the little squishy Necronomicon book. We have the um, same things. I had an evil, I had an Army of Darkness poster on my bedroom wall when I was a kid. So it's like, I was very into this stuff. Okay. Matt? Oh, of course, Matthew Gatos, who's sitting Hey, I'm here. Yeah. Um, um, what is your experience with this? Kind of similar to Sam, except for... Uh, instead of being the movie that made me realize I could watch horror movies, it was the movie that kind of made me want to make horror movies. Mm, sure. When I was in high school, uh, I apparently had a much more messed up childhood than Sam because I was watching horror movies from like as long as I can remember. I was just deeply cowardly as a child. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but like, I think me and Nick have talked multiple times on here about how both of our parents like worked at slash yeah. owned video stores, yeah, and because right. of that, like. I was watching things like Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, mm-hmm. like on VHS just because it was there. And I was like, that's an interesting cover. I'm going to watch this. And so <laughs> I saw so many bad horror movies early on that by the time I got around to like high school, I sur- was uh, starting to surround myself with friends who I felt like had the good taste in the bad things mm-hmm. um, as far as like the oh, that's first. fascinating. I've never thought of it that way. I, there's a, good I, taste in bad things because I think there's there's a lot of movies that are like bad but aren't fun to watch and we've watched some of we've those watched on many this of podcast. those <laughs> yeah. Justice League for one oh, yeah. like yeah. but I don't like Evil Dead is the one and like in high school for me it was like the Evil Dead franchise like Rocky Horror Picture Show is not a great movie but it's a really fun movie to watch with people yeah 100%. It's a sleepover movie yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's what it kind of was is i was very very lucky in an, in high school that one of my best friends he had a rich dad and they had a home theater in their house with like a 103 inch screen and like eight lazy boys like tiered up so we could all like lay back and watch these movies oh, and so the so first nice time movie. i saw evil dead was in his home theater mm-hmm. in like the ideal situation with like nine other friends who were all like laughing at it and like having fun watching it and it was great like it was the best way to watch that and I just uh, he and I ended up going to film school together mm-hmm. like as we yeah. graduated and so we were like reading everything about like how they made Evil Dead and how like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell started doing all this stuff and we were like we can do this mm-hmm. and so we were buying, we would go to like the costume shop the day after Halloween and buy like the discounted fake blood to like use in our movies and figure out like oh. what's the the cheapest way we can make the coolest thing. Do these and, exist somewhere? These oh, yeah. Some of them exist hmm. uh, somewhere. We should perhaps, watch one for real bad. Perhaps yeah, we put should. one on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, I yes. mean, <laughs> we, we've discussed, uh, some of us have discussed doing like a film festival of all of our bad movies we made in high school and stuff. Which Mine are just boring. Yeah, I can't fun. wait for that to happen. Oh, I think a lot of them will be boring and not as fun as we think they will be. But Oh, no, hopefully... I think mine won't be. <laughs> won't be as, I don't think there's any fun to be had in mine. Mm, all right. I think mine are boring and sad. <laughs> That's what my college films are like. Well, those are the Same. only films I made. Same. I didn't all... make films until I was in college. Yeah, do you think it was a cop-out for all of us? Because we didn't know how to end our movies, so like being sad was the easy way out. I think your brain's just really messed yeah. up. Yeah, it's like, just like maybe. dealing with your, like, trying to grow up in your own emotions now that you're out of high school and then putting it in your art because it's what you know and what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I had so many people die in all my short films in college. But in high school, we were just like... I drowned a little girl. Oh, God. In a short film. Yes. (laughs) Don't take that out of context, please. We said it's so clean that we can do anything we want. (laughs) 
<laughs> Nick is Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> um, oh. Frankenstein's monster was nice. Yeah, though. he was so nice. So Nick is nice too. He just drowned a little girl. Okay, <laughs> it's all right. Oh, I was. She had I, fire. I had yeah. forgotten about. I had forgotten that was what happened in Frankenstein, and I was like. Why am I Frankenstein's monster? Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway. But yeah, so for me, it was like being introduced to the Evil Dead movies and the trauma world of movies sure. and that kind of thing in high school that I think set me up where like I watched this movie, like Sam said, dozens of times of just like repeated viewings. It's just a go-to mm-hmm. like horror movie. And I also own the squishy collectible Necronomicon versions of Evil Dead 1 and 2. I don't know, and 2. Oh, um, you should. <laughs> Evil Dead 2, it has an eyeball that you you can push, and it screams. You know what? I remember seeing it in the store and thinking, that's not as screen accurate as the one for Evil Dead 1, <laughs> so I'll just get that Evil is, Dead 1. I mean, yeah, even the Evil Dead 1 case is not super screen accurate. Well, no, because it have to look like pure garbage to yeah, be screen accurate. That's a very so bad we're talking about Evil Dead today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did we ever say that? <laughs> no, we no. didn't. You said it a couple times, but cool. we're talking about the original 1981 Evil Dead, directed by Sam Raimi, starring Bruce Campbell, produced by uh, Sam Raimi and Rob Tappert, who all three of these people have gone on with this franchise to produce and or act and or direct uh, all of the things. And this has gone on to make Evil Dead 2 which is basically a remake of Evil Dead 1, and then Army of Darkness. And my experience was I had never seen any of them. And then a friend of mine said, wait, you haven't seen Army of Darkness? And I was like, no, I haven't seen Army of Darkness. And he said, you got to watch Army of Darkness. And so... Your friend sounds creepy. What a, weird, <laughs> yeah. what a weird one to jump on board with. Well, I didn't know it was a sequel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I just saw that... fair, though, it's weird even in context. Oh, totally. Yeah. But Like, Army of Darkness is a weird-ass movie. It is. Yeah. And there are reasons for that that we'll talk about when we do that on, on the show. But... I started there and had a rip-roaring time. I enjoy that movie possibly more than I enjoy almost any other movie. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, we laughed so hard. I was sad that I didn't get to see it in a theater with, a, with an audience that would have enjoyed it as well. Like, it was a hoot. And then I was like... I was like, that's great. And he's like, so, yeah, it's a good follow-up, right? And I was like, a follow-up to what? <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw Evil Dead 2, and I was like, oh, this is weird. It's 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 a darker movie. Wait, at the end of that one, did your friend say, well, that was a great sequel, right? And you were like, a sequel? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yeah. That was... I was wondering why there was a, there was a two in the title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of Evil Dead 2. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, so... You watch Evil Dead 2, and then it took me a long time to find Evil Dead, the first one. I couldn't, like, this was before DVD, it was on VHS, yeah. and nobody had it for rent where I lived, and finally one of my friends had an old copy that he had, like, taped off HBO or something, mm-hmm. and it looked terrible, but at the same time, I was like, okay, cool, I get to watch it, and I hated every second of it. I thought it was, it's so weird to go backward, because... yeah. All of the fun and character that's in Army of Darkness is is just gone by the time you go back to the first one. There's no there are no characters in here. But so that was my experience. And I I, I have a weird respect for it because it it is an it's a very it's like a time capsule of Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and Rob Tappert at the time, not knowing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, why don't we get into it? 
So before we dive headlong into it, we need to do a 60-second plot dump so everybody knows what the heck is going on. And um, just because he says I haven't picked him in a while, it's going to be Matt, which you should feel good about because you've seen this 400 times. It's going to be Matt. May. <laughs> I forgot about this part, so oh. I'm glad you didn't pick me. This is, this is the first time you haven't picked me, and I was super prepared. <laughs> yeah, so, see, that's why we get you. Because, well, also because I'm the only one that has no point of reference. I was like, oh, he's probably going to pick uh, me because it's like the clean slate. Nah, thing. see, I, I was oh. like, I thought he was going to choose me because I have pointed out the last few weeks like yeah. that it has not been me. I was like, oh, it's coming. <laughs> I have yeah. a lot of retribution in my heart. <laughs> yeah. So, I would okay. love to hear your, your summation of this film. Though. I, you know, I kind of would too, but it's going to be Matt. <laughs> I did have it written down. So if you want after this part, I can just read what I wrote. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. This is the plot breakdown for Evil Dead, the original 1981 in three, two, one. There are five people, Ash, his girlfriend, Linda, Scotty, his girlfriend, Shelly, and Ash's sister, Cheryl. They're renting a cabin in the woods for the weekend. While they're hanging out, suddenly the basement door bursts open. Scotty and Ash go down to investigate and discover their shotgun, a creepy book, and a sweet dagger your cousin would buy at the county fair. And a tape recorder. Uh, they listen to the tape recorder, which has a recording that lo- describes uh, the book as being wrapped in human flesh and inked in human blood, and it contains the power to possess people. So, of course, the next thing that happens is the tape recorder starts reading those things from the book uh, that causes people to become possessed. So Cheryl becomes possessed and stabs Linda in the ankle with a pencil uh, and throws some other people around, so they lock her in the basement. Eventually, Linda, Scotty, Cheryl are all possessed and fighting Ash, and he... And Scotty end up having to chop them up into pieces, burning some of them, trying to dispose of all of their bodies. Uh, And towards the end, then the sun rises, Ash goes outside, and an unseen something attacks him, and the end. (laughs) Yeah. That was good. Yeah, 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 that was really good. I mean, so many of the deaths are just kind of like... We'll get into some of them, I'm sure, of like the gruesome details, but the end of it is like he has to chop his friends up. Yeah. In the middle of it is he has to chop his friends up. Yeah, I was going to say that's more in the middle. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Then he thinks about chopping some of his friends up and then he doesn't. Because it's his girlfriend. Yeah. Can't chop up a girlfriend. It's tough. Yeah. He doesn't have that problem in Evil Dead 2. No, he chops her right up in Evil Dead 2. (laughs) Oh, no, I guess he doesn't. Spoiler alert. I'm sorry. Hold on. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Anyway. No, I really don't care. (laughs) Some people might. I don't want to get sidetracked. Um, Okay, so Evil Dead, 1981, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and Rob Tappert are uh, very young filmmakers. I don't think any of them were over 20 years old when this movie was made. Really? Yeah, they were all very young. Whoa. Um, You could look at Bruce Campbell and be like, you're young. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess so. So they were not, I think they'd done maybe a semester or two of college, but they hadn't, you know, they, they hadn't really finished college, I don't think. This is not a student film. This is also something that they make very clear in a lot of the commentaries. Mm-hmm. that they had some ideas for it when they were in school, but this was not a student film. Were they out of school already or did they? Yeah, they were out of school. Okay, okay. Um, so they've been making eight millimeter shorts or super eight shorts, actually not eight millimeter, super eight shorts. And uh, they made one short called Within the Woods, which I send around to everyone on Slack. It's on uh, YouTube. You can watch it's it. It's on YouTube, and it is terrible. It's yeah. really bad. It is god-awful. <laughs> yeah. Do not uh, recommend. No. <laughs> I, I, and I even said on, when I sent it around, I was like, you're not required to watch this. I think the only reason to watch it is if you are someone who has seen Evil Dead a dozen times and really love it and didn't know it existed. Yeah. There's it's, a few shots that they lift from it. Yeah. Like, at least one I can think of off the top of my head. So It's, it's like a little proof of concept that. of like they wanted to know if they could do it yeah Yeah, and they 
got no traction from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like people watched that and were kind of like, look, I like your idea for a movie. I, uh, that didn't help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they still got funding, but really the movie was kind of like, okay, well, you guys need more money, obviously, because this is a problem. Uh, they went around, they found a few investors, uh, really quite smartly. Like they went to different types of people looking for different amounts. It's kind of like a Kickstarter now, except they were doing it on foot. Hmm. Like they were really going to people. My favorite one is they went to a dentist and was like, you go and blow a thousand dollars at in Vegas. We'll invest that thousand dollars in us instead. You might make a return on it. Like how often do you make a return in Vegas? And then it's like never. So whoa, that's genius. Yeah. So <laughs> so you might find make, the people find who are addicted to gambling gamblers. in your life yeah. <laughs> and then ask them for their money. Yeah. Also a gamble. But yeah. Frame it, yeah. Frame it as a bet. But, yeah. But it was a good sell because <laughs> yeah. even at that time, everybody knew that horror movies usually sold well, mm-hmm. they, especially in the the drive-in market and like stuff that you know isn't around now. But like at the time, right? It was still a great source of revenue. Was that video could, store time? Were those around yet? Just before. Okay. Like I mean, there were probably a couple. Beta was around at that point, but right. it was really. Really, you were looking if you were looking in the States, which is the other thing they went to. I believe it was Irvin Shapiro, who was um, an old timey promoter who had worked on Battleship Potemkin, like promoting Battleship Potemkin. So he was old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But he told them, don't focus on the States. He said, think about a worldwide release. Think about trying to get it to theaters everywhere, because if you're only thinking in the U.S., you're going to have a really small return. Mm -hmm. So that got them thinking then, okay, not as much dialogue and and blah, blah, blah. Because if you watch Within the Woods, there's actually a lot of dialogue. There's just talking and talking. And Evil Dead, there's some talking, but not a lot. and None of it's really important. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they did that. And what they found actors, which was also hard to find actors. They had Ellen Sandweiss, who plays Cheryl, who is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, she was wonderful in Within the Woods. I think she was more wonderful in Within the Woods, which is weird. I also think Bruce Campbell was better in Within the Woods, yeah. <laughs> which is also weird. Well, I think the, the the perk of having more dialogue is that you get to build more of a character. And that's one of the things like I think you can realize it in the first five minutes of this movie <laughs> is like you are not going to get characters. Like you are going to get the most like... I'm going to say what's about to happen next. Then it happens. characters, mm-hmm. and then it happens. And then they yeah. say, why did that happen? And yeah. He, he, like, he formulates a little bit throughout the movie, but... Well, yeah, especially once everyone else is dead. Yeah. Like, then you have one person to focus on, and you're like, right. I like this guy. I want to get to that. He but... survives. Yeah. Yeah. The last little bit is um, they... Irvin Shapiro helped them sign contracts, and, and they figured out... Rob Tappert had to learn how to read contracts, which he said was, to this day, the hardest thing he's ever done was learning how to read legalese. Mm-hmm. Um, and they figured out a way to keep their rights by doing certain things and making sure that their investors got paid. And like it was it was a good learning experience for them, mm-hmm. which is what film school should be too. like film school should be the opportunity to learn, make mistakes. They did it with this, which is a higher risk. Did they not go to film school? I'm not exactly sure. Okay. I, I listened to three different commentaries and I kind of got a little confused about when they were talking about school for them. So. Okay. I, I think they went to a little bit of school. I don't think they graduated. Okay. I, I don't know, though. I could be wrong about that. But if they were that young, I don't imagine that they would have. Unless it was a two-year degree. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, yeah. But regardless, uh, they were able to sell the rights to New Line. New Line Cinema didn't have any hits at the time. Uh, and so Bob Shea bought it, sent it out. They thought it was going to be a disaster. Turns out it was a huge hit for them. 
Uh, final tally for the budget, which includes marketing and sending people overseas to do stuff and to get more money, was three hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which sounds expensive when you look at this movie. In my opinion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this movie looks cheap. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, the effects look cheap. The makeup effects look pretty cheap. Like everything about this feels cheap. But then I'm like, it's weird. Now having done this podcast, I can hold it up to things. And I can say, okay, but like all of the audio was good. Like you heard everybody, everybody's, you know, it, it, even though it was very simple, it made sense, but it just, it looks bad. It doesn't look well shot except for like a couple scenes. Yeah, sometimes it does. There are a couple, but everything, I think we'd bring this up from time to time too of like, Everything was in focus. Yes. Mm-hmm. The camera's pointed at what it's supposed to be pointed at. There are choices. Like, yes, there are yeah. choices in the camera. Like, I think it shows a level of inexperience with some of the camera work. Yeah. But I think oh, it's, yeah. it's all purposeful. It like, is. Like, they were trying to do a certain thing, and whether or not they did it well is obviously debatable. But what they were trying to do is at least, I think, a step up from things. I, I kind of felt the opposite way about it. I thought in the first chunk of the movie, they the filmmakers had seen other B movies and they were like, "Well, this is how you have to make them." But then, as they were making the movie, they started to like some connection started to be made in Sam Raimi's brain or like Bruce Campbell's brain, where they were like, "Well, but what if it was a little bit wackier? What if these demons were like a little bit goofy and they said jokes sometimes? What if we like did this with the camera, this with the lighting?" So like they started out making something that was very like stock B movie, but they couldn't help themselves but be good enough at it that they figured it out like in front of us as they went. You guys said something to me, to us, to all of us. We were up there chatting about it. But you said something about how this movie feels like it was shot chron- chronologically. Yeah. yeah. Because there is a weird improvement to it, mm-hmm. <laughs> as yeah. it as it like ramps up to the point at which I will say the final shot of the film is very effective. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that shot, there's a shot that of the, ev- the mysterious evil just starting to pick up and then go through the cabin and then attack Bruce. And then we cut to black. There's something very bizarrely effective about that shot, and mm-hmm. it feels more confident than anything else in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think that last sequence, too, of him, like, once, I think this is after Cheryl and Scotty are both dead. Shelly? Cheryl. Oh, Cheryl. Shelly's dead. Scotty's dead. I think the last one left is Cheryl, then. Right? Yeah, the last one yeah. left is Cheryl. Yes. So yeah. everyone's dead besides Cheryl, mm-hmm. like, towards the end. And I think this sequence does go on a little bit too long. Like once Cheryl's the only one left, like obviously the only threat here is Cheryl. When and he's so, closing the doors and trying to, yeah, mm-hmm. and like he's trying to figure out what's next and mm-hmm. like waiting, the sun's coming up and stuff. But and, like, yeah, and like everything's like, and the clock's doing weird yes. stuff, and he touches the mirror. But I think mm-hmm. parts of that are really good, mm-hmm. like that, and show like they show that the the clock stopping. They show he reaches into the mirror and it turns to water. Mm-hmm. He goes downstairs and there's like the projector that turns to blood and blood starts seeping out of the outlets. Mm-hmm. And those moments for me are like we said, it seems like something that wasn't necessarily thought of at the beginning. Yeah. Uh because it is a larger choice. Mm-hmm. But for me I still feel I don't know. I I see your point Sam that I think they did start off a little bit more in the default range mm-hmm. of B horror movies yeah. and got more complicated but I yeah I'm curious like listening to commentaries or just seeing interviews of how much of that is true to see like 
how much of the end sequence was in the original script. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or did they get halfway through filming and go like, oh, hey, we just got a little extra money from these dentists. Yeah. Let's do something crazy. We got some crazy dentist money. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, Marianne, you have no ties to this. Correct. I'm curious. I mean, I know, but like, I'm curious (laughs) because we texted about it. I'm I'm curious to know, like, one, just your overall impression of the movie, but two, like your impression of this, what we're talking about, like. Do you, do you think they were learning on the fly? Do you do you feel like there was improvement or were you just feeling the same way through the whole thing? I just I really want to know your experience. Yeah, there. I would actually like I would agree with Sam on this one and like it really does feel like I don't know how to describe this, but like the first chunk of the movie definitely felt like standard B horror movie with a couple of camera tricks that you know how to do and like great, do that. And then as it progressed, it kind of spiraled for me personally like Mm -hmm. their technical skills got better and because they knew that they could do things they kept trying to do things (laughs) and that made it just go all over the place like the camera angles were all over the place and like I, I even wrote down in my notes was that a choice like did you choose to do that like the camera angles and just a lot of the plot points were very very bizarre for me the moment where the entire um basement that uh, that Ash was in just sort of dripping blood all over the place, but like with no callback before or after <laughs> yeah. at all, oh. like made zero sense to me. I'm like, why uh, did you just choose to do that? Did you just have extra blood that you just needed to use yeah. up? Like what was, that's what basically was that about? the scene that they've built the whole entire rest of the franchise on. Yeah. Like, I was going to say, sure. Evil De- you need to watch evil dead too. <laughs> yeah. sure. It's mostly that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Extended. For a long time. Also like, I don't know. I'm a very, uh, I very much love like fantasy and sci-fi and things that have lots of different intricate rules to them. And like, mm-hmm. I'm generally sold on most things. Like I can buy into some of the most obscure, bizarre, sure. twisted, convoluted rules as far as like, especially when, when fantasy is concerned. But like in this, I don't understand what the rules are here. Like within the context of the, of the movie, like in this world with this like, crazy um de- demonic type of presence like is it actually just the like the recording that says the thing that starts it because crazy crap was happening before then right and then like what exactly makes ash special that he didn't change because as far as i'm concerned the same thing happened to everyone like everyone got attacked in one way or another everyone bled everyone was attacked by someone by either the crazy tree monsters or like someone else in the group. So why was yeah. Ash not affected? It's like, a, it's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's one that they seek to answer later on in, in sequels and mm-hmm. in the series. Yeah. They build which, up a lot more lore around the book itself. Well, and, and around, around Ash. Yes. Yeah. And I like, think, I do think that's part of it that they probably went like as, as much as that's in the movie is probably as much as they thought about it. Yep. Yeah. And assumed that that <laughs> yeah. would be good enough for the audience to enjoy. But I definitely see your point of like when rules are clear, it makes a better movie. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like I I'm fine that you know you expand on the rules and that type of stuff like I don't have a problem with that, but when you're considering this is like a single movie and it's the first one, oh, your sure. rules better be like clear. 
if you want to retcon it later, that's fine. But let me be clear. Eh. I wasn't excusing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just saying that I think they recognized that problem, too. Yeah. yeah. And then so they were like, well, then why isn't he just dead? Yeah. And so they made him kind of a chosen one, which is yeah. it, it, it works in the sequels. I don't like chosen one stories. We've talked mm-hmm. about this before. I like it with him. He's so dumb. He's so dumb <laughs> and he's terrible. It's funny. Yeah. Which we yeah. don't get a lot of. At all, any of it. There's, there's like, no hint. You have no personality from any no. character aside from the jerk Except character. Except for Scotty. Oh, yeah. Scotty, fuck him. Scotty. Well, eventually, like, Ash starts flinging himself into walls and bookcases, and I think that is, like, where the character came from more than anything, probably. <laughs> is it, though? It's like, oh, you can throw yourself and look really goofy. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's very... That. Bruce Campbell is very slapstick capable, yeah. but... I agree like and that was one of my it's one of my problems with all of the films but because they start relying more on goofiness and it becomes the ideas of the films become more ludicrous I'm willing to let it go but here they don't have that so it's just like well what are the rules and I'm I'm left to wonder like well who gets possessed and why are they possessed and why was she kind of possessed before they even realized there was before the door flips up, she's yeah. drawing that picture. Yeah, and she's getting possessed. Yeah, she's yeah. So she's the sensitive artist one. That's uh, yeah, I know. The universe is flowing into her. <laughs> <laughs> that was my impression. All right, of it, at least yeah, sure. I, yeah, for me, that part is just like bad shit has gone down in this cabin before, yeah. and this is like sort of the remnants of that seeping in. That this is like a messed up place where messed up things happen, and that. That for me, that's where I get the clock stopping and her hand starting to do uncontrollable things, and there just being the general kind of like weird mood around this thing. Because like even the door flying open on its own, like that's the house kind of doing that. It's yeah. kind of like the cabin doing that because again, the book hasn't been found or read yet, so the book didn't cause the thing to fly open. Yeah. Um. But I also want to say, I I'm gonna take moments here to talk about things that I liked (laughs) because I feel like I am going to be kicking this movie a bit more than uh, Sam and Matt and probably not Marianne. But (laughs) I do want to say that there are some, I can see the kernels of Sam Raimi. Mm -hmm. I can see there, that shot where the thing flies open, where the, where the cellar door flies open really well framed, nicely photographed, good depth of field, and when I remember seeing it the first time, when I saw it, I knew it was coming this time, but when I hadn't seen it before and that flipped up, even though it was a telegraphed shot, mm-hmm. it still made me jump. Like, I was like, oh, you know? So, I was like, okay, that's a good moment. It's effective. And I can see the brain of Sam Raimi and his DP. Like, okay, here's what we have to do. We have to frame it this way. It's still, like I said, it's telegraphed. You know something's going to happen back there. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, that looks good. And then we had similar issue, uh, things where sh- he straps, uh, is it Cheryl down? Linda. Linda, Linda sorry. Yeah. It's always Linda. Linda yeah. in all of these movies, they re- they keep replacing the Linda. Um, when he straps Linda down and he pulls out the chainsaw oh, and yep. he's about to do the thing, like, really nicely lit. They get into that staple of Sam Raimi, which is the kinetic cutting from mm-hmm. one thing to the next thing to the next thing that he, he would just use ramps up. Oh, man. Like, throughout his movie. Yeah, yeah, it just gets more ludicrous and more ludicrous, which is great. I, I like that. But like the lighting, like it was hatched lighting on uh, Bruce's face mm-hmm. and he was having a moment to act in close up. And I was like, oh, oh, this is this is good. Mm-hmm. I remember this. And then we would go back into the cabin where everything's brightly lit and it's weird. And it, I, it was... I don't know. It was there just every once in a while there would be a shot 
or something. The same when uh, he is leaning on the door and he's freaked out and he's the last one left and he's just sitting there breathing uh-huh. and it's like, I know something's coming. That part scared me. I didn't remember that part. <laughs> I didn't either. Yeah. I had forgotten that part existed. That when the hands burst through yeah. the door yeah. and grab him. And you know it's coming, but they hold on it for so long yeah. that I was like, I, I kind of started smiling and I'm going, well, this is kind of clever. Like <laughs> you're just holding this for so long. Uh-huh. And, but those pieces are so few and far between and then i agree also like all of the different angles again a very sam raimi thing let's just be as wild with the camera as we can be like there was one where the camera is being held by somebody who's mounted on the ceiling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and bruce walks and underneath him and they follow him and then we're upside down and then it flips and yeah. it flips like why was that in there yeah. it doesn't a, make any sense that's the one that broke me i'm like yeah. are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> They even talk about it in the commentary about how hard that shot was to get. And I'm like, what? why was it in there? Not worth yeah. it. Well, they wanted to do it. Okay. And, I mean, to be fair, it was, like, it was well focused. It was yeah. well framed, but, but I think it was unnecessary. And it was kind of like, are you, what? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think you really nailed it when you said they figured out they were good at it and it was fun. And then they were just like, let's keep doing it forever. Yeah. They were yeah. also. Cool bro shot. Let's do another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, they also were going a bit mad. By the end of it. So as the story goes, they were supposed to shoot for six weeks. They got their actors. They got everybody on board. Six weeks comes up. They're all miserable. They're staying in the cabin and the cabin has no insulation. It was supposed to be summer, but they didn't get started until like October. So it's freezing cold. Where was it filmed? Uh, Tennessee. Okay. Um, And they... (laughs) They would have um, vagrants who would just come by and start sleeping in there with them. Sam Raimi woke up one time and there was just a guy sitting next to him looking at him. (laughs) And then Sam Raimi wouldn't sleep in the cabin anymore. He went up onto a hill, just was a little over the way and nearly froze to death every night. I probably do the same thing. Yeah. He was like, no, I can't do it. I can't sleep in the cabin. And they would just they were sleep deprived. And instead of it going for six weeks, it went for 12. Mm -hmm. And so they were already going a bit mad by the end of those six weeks and then add on another six weeks on top of that, also trying to get money. When they got back from shooting, Bruce Campbell told this story and I think it's a it's a very interesting story. And he, he's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lessen anybody's experience in Vietnam. But when I got home, I wouldn't sleep on my bed. I slept on the floor. Oh no. I grew a beard. <laughs> I couldn't. Like, and my mother kept asking, are you okay? And he's like, I, I can't talk about it. Yeah. Wasn't like, he the only like actor because probably he's like Sam's friend. Right. Yeah. That like actually stuck around. And that's why all of the, yes. when they turn into zombies, they become different actors. so heavily makeup <laughs> yeah. and so heavily like, yeah. uh, uh, like masked, I think too, yeah, because Cheryl they has a very bad mask because they replaced them because yeah. they got like random people to fill in. Yeah. Well, uh, some of it was Sam Raimi's brother, Ted. Uh, he came in and filled in. Plays a couple of the people. I yeah, think. he does. Yeah. They called them fake shemps. But yeah, yeah they were uh, them and they had another uh, school friend, uh, woman school friend. I can't remember her name. Ah, Anyway, um, but she came in and also did some sort of stunt work, basically. Did Linda change partway through, too? Or is she always Linda? 
Um, I, I, I think, think once Linda. I think Linda was always Linda because she's out of it by about midway. Well, also, mm, but no. then she's got like the creepy. Her doll possessed face. face looks a lot like her real face. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I think yeah. That's she just her. gets the, okay. the creepy like contacts and the makeup. Yeah, yeah it just like, has heavy makeup. Yeah. But she doesn't have like the Cheryl mask stuff. and the Scotty mask is like ridiculous. Scotty at least looks pretty unsettling. Cheryl looks very bad. Yeah, I think Scotty looks like well, Cheryl at, just looked like yeah, just put as, some cake on your face. It looks yeah. like it almost looks like. Oh, you had someone that does theater makeup that is used to having people very, very, yeah. very far away, yeah. very, very brightly you need lit. You to be very they dramatic. Big yeah, big eyes and big. Because yeah. yeah, it did just look like the moment they start to actually pick at it or punch it or do anything to it, like it just looks like a Halloween mask. Yeah, yeah. It, it was bad. That's kind of okay, I think, though. Yeah, but a just, lot of it looks like a bad, like a bad haunted house you'd go to at like a state fair or something. Yeah, yeah. Until oh, they sure. All... Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Although I do have to give credit to. Like, again, the rules of it don't necessarily line up and make a lot of sense, but, like, their death scenes at the very, very end, mm-hmm. when they start exploding yeah. and, like, giant hands are bursting out of their chest oh. and they dissolve <laughs> in a weird stop motion scene, oh. like... Uh, the stop motion's pretty bad. I was very mo- bad. But for the era... The hands are cool, though. Like, for the time... Yeah. That was kind of the stop motion, like, you're gonna get. Yeah. I mean, and, we didn't get that level of stop motion in Things... <laughs> Things that's is on like, a whole different level. That's no, like you're bumping right. the night <laughs> level of stop motion. Oh, bumping the night was such a good show. Okay, yeah. so but but no, I think you're right. I think there is a level of there are a couple of tricks that they did. I think this goes back to you every once in a while. You'd see something and go, "Oh, that's neat." Mm-hmm. But then they'd go back to the movie and be, like, "Oh shit," you know. <laughs> well, uh, like to its credit, the whole concept, the overall concept of like f- friends, cabin in the woods creepy dark mysterious force invading their time and you see you know people change and transform and that type of stuff is a very very common and it's common because it kind of works and so like this whole thing you're like yeah all right the evil dead it makes sense it works as a concept and even throwing in a little bit of lore in there sure i understand why there are sequels but also this movie in particular just does not make sense i agree I, I, that that's my main takeaway from here is the weird feeling of this movie doesn't make any sense, but it also doesn't make sense in context to me. Doesn't make sense. So after this, Sam went on to make a film called Crime Wave, which is terrible. Um, Never oh, even heard of it. Yeah. It, well, this is an interesting thing. So one of the editors on here was one of the Coen brothers. Uh, for Evil Dead. For Evil Dead. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. They what? knew each other. They Weird. they all knew each other, and okay. they all like it was shared. They went to like the seat. same summer camp as yeah. kids or yeah. something like that. Like there's reference in the I think it's Scotty who opens a closet. And there's like a shirt that's like Tamakwa Summer Camp yeah. or something like that. Oh, weird. And like, that is also referenced in some Coen Brothers movies, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh then the Coen Brothers wrote Crime Wave and gave it to Sam to direct. And it is, it's terrible. Like it's, and Bruce Campbell has even said like this, normally this would end a director's career. Was he in Mm -hmm. it? Bruce? Yes. Okay. I don't know if he's the lead. I haven't seen it in a really long time, but I remember seeing it as a kid and going, this is bad. Um, For a while he was in like, he was in like everything Sam Raimi made for a long time. I think he's. He I think he's in basically everything. everything. Yeah, I, I don't know. If he's, he's even made, in Spider-Man. I, yeah. He's in all three Spider-Mans. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. What I um, as different characters, but I don't know if he's continued that trend in the recent years i think well i don't know he's at least i know in some he's also been like he'll be on the tv as a character yeah. or yeah. things or he'll be he's usually attached to it somehow he and sam raimi are still very good friends he's the and only good, good part them. of spider-man 3 
He's great. What is he doing, Spider-Man? He's like the French waiter. Yeah. He keeps messing up the proposal. Yeah. He is very good. Yeah. That's right. That is the only good thing about that movie, though. It's so good. Thinking about that scene, I'm like, that's a funny scene. Why? Be in Spider-Man 3. And that's the Spider-Man 3 shouldn't be in Spider-Man 3. Yeah, that's a bad movie. Because like, when are we going to do that one? I figured before the next Spider-Man comes out. Okay. That's good call. Yeah. Um, Okay. So there are those elements that do work. So my question, you know, my thing became looking at it in context. I'm like, how do you make a part two of this? Like one, okay, it was a pretty big hit. A lot of people liked it. Stephen King really liked it Mm -hmm. at the time. And I also want to say, we've said this before, but this coming out 1981 theater screenings, that's where you're seeing it, drive-ins. This is a different experience watching it at a drive-in or on a 20-foot screen versus in pristine digital. Right. You are going to see a different film. Mm -hmm. I say everything is brightly lit. Yeah, but if you're watching it on a drive-in screen, it's probably going to be really dark and Mm -hmm. it's going to be grimy and gritty Mm because they're not going to get a lot of different prints made. So... That's something I always want to go back to, because like I remember when they did the restoration for The Godfather, I was seeing some unrestored clips and I'm like, wow, it's a different movie. Like this is a different movie watching it. Like maybe you got a really nice print when you saw it in the premiere. Mm -hmm. But then after that, it also like even now I still go to theater screenings and the bulb's not bright enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and at the time it was even worse. I also I'm so I'm trying to back myself up a little bit and go, okay, in 1981, when this came out, it would have looked different to see. It would not have been. This is not something that would be shown on Netflix now and have people going, oh, yeah, Evil Dead. It was it's a completely different experience, I think. I, I, I agree. I think on VHS or like in the theater back then is like the way this oh, movie yeah. was kind of intended Crappy to be watched, VHS. obviously. Like, and I think there's a lot, there's a huge conversation to be had about restoration to films and what it does to altering the original experience people have or even yeah, ever even knowing what that original experience could be uh, and trying to recreate it. But I think with this is one where it's like, yeah, most people watch this uh, full screen VHS four by three at home. They didn't see the crew member standing off to the side of the car nope. in the opening shot of the movie. Like they probably wouldn't have seen that guy. But the moment it's on DVD or widescreen or like especially Blu-ray now, where it's like all the little mistakes yep. are so much more like visible. It's like and the makeup, the makeup would the have makeup looked looks way worse. different. Yeah. yeah, there's not a softness to it that would have been there on the VHS or even like an old theater of like. It's going to be crisp. It's going to be the clearest it's like ever been since they shot it. And they probably don't want that. Yeah. I remember like, uh, an, uh, an actor who I worked with uh, who was wonderful. Amber, if you're listening, you're wonderful. I love you dearly. And she and I were talking about something. And I said, oh, yeah, we're going to shoot on HD. And she went, oh. <laughs> and I was like, what? And she's like, oh, God, everybody's skin looks terrible in HD. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, that's a good point. A like, lot of soap ap- actors talk about how much they hated the transition from standard te- to HD because yeah. they're like, oh, my makeup, it's going to look awful now. <laughs> I mean, you said, you mentioned The Godfather and like Marlon Brando's makeup does not hold up to Blu-ray. Right. And like, that's oh, not a I thing I ever would have thought like from Ugh. The Godfather is like, you watch it now and you see where like the creases are and the lines are in really? his old man makeup. Yeah. That's why sometimes standard is fine. I've only seen it on VHS. 
So I don't yeah. ever want to watch it, I guess. Now. Well, this yeah. is the weird thing. Like, it, And it's not just a time issue. Mm-hmm. It's an issue of the technology because this is one of the problems with the Hobbit movies yeah. versus the Lord of the Rings movies. Lord of the Rings movies were shot on Super 35s. Great technology. Little bit grainy, but mm-hmm. it's still like... Super good technology. Little grain never hurt. Little grain never hurt. Yeah. But in The Hobbit, like it's so crystal clear because of the way it's been shot. You can see the makeup lines. You can yeah. see it. Everything looks rubbery because you can see the rubber. Yeah. You can see the latex that was put on. They are people pretending to be hobbits. Yeah. Very clearly. As opposed yeah. to what film can really help you hide. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like still, even at that, seeing it on a big screen versus seeing it on a television of any kind yeah. is there's going to be a difference. The clarity you're going to get on your TV. And I mean, that's something that like, sometimes that's a great thing. Like if you're watching something like uh, Lawrence of Arabia, mm-hmm. like it's, you're looking at the shots, the shots. Then when you watch them on a television are like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. that is amazing. But yeah. when you're watching, you know, star Wars and there's a lot of makeup involved, right. then it's a different, thing yeah mm-hmm. so there's no one right answer obviously but right. yeah no they get i think it's it's one of those things where certain movies do really really well with a restoration 4k scan yeah of things where it's like casablanca is the same way for me or it's like i watch casablanca on blu-ray and i'm like this looks gorgeous yep. and like it looks amazing like i don't notice anything because there's not special effects makeup there's not like <laughs> strings holding things up to like notice and so it's just a character study yeah it's, it's beautifully and shot so those types of movies i think really benefit from that because you are seeing like the the artistry behind it but yeah like things like i there's a big debate with uh like animated films as well because when they restore them they do like a noise reduction which removes all the grain yeah from the original prints and so you're going back to like cinderella and removing all of the grain to make it look like something that would be animated now on a computer. And what that does is, well, one, it removes grain, and something just looks off about it. They've gotten better, but their initial Blu-ray releases were all very non-grainy. And it's actually, there's people have showed examples where because of the the technology they used to restore these, it's eliminating, like, line detail in certain images. And it's like, restoring can go either way like sometimes it's really a benefit and i think like wizard of oz is great on blu-ray like casablanca is great on blu-ray evil dead is one of those movies where almost i will say i am a person who defaults to watching things in hd whenever possible there have been times i own something on dvd and if someone's like oh i want to watch that with you i'm like i'm gonna run it hd because i want you to see this movie like presented well Evil Dead is one of those movies that I've owned on DVD, have never upgraded to the Blu-ray, <laughs> didn't want to borrow Nick's Blu-ray for this rewatch. Like yeah. I was like, it's going to look as good as it can look on this DVD. I think that being said, there are certain movies that benefit from looking a little bit like we just threw this together. And I think Star Wars kind of is one of those movies okay. where it's like you feel it feels a little bit more like you can touch it. If you, I don't know, something about the Star Wars has like a tactileness, even when it's scaled up so high. And I think Evil Dead kind of is the same way. It looks like you're like spying on these people who are getting murdered by their friends in makeup (laughs) or something. Yeah, I kind of wonder if like, if it was a well shot, well put together in terms of like visual quality film that you would get more annoyed at the other like failings of this movie. Mm-hmm. Cause like another thing that drove me insane oh. was how long every single shot was held. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, why are you just sitting here for so long? Nothing. Yeah. And there's no payoff. There's nothing. I'd be willing I mean, to bet 
their editing was they didn't have like a good editing suite because I know personally in film school we would shoot um, like 16 millimeter and we would edit it like through a little moviola that we control the speed of on ourselves mm-hmm. and like have to cut with a razor blade and tape it together. Mm-hmm. And so you get like one attempt at making that cut. And sometimes when you're moving it at your own speed, you don't know how long those cuts last. Yeah. And so you project it and you're like, oh, that shot's too long. And so I'm wondering if they couldn't afford good editing equipment. I'm going to say they couldn't. Yeah. No. They, so I'm wondering it, it, if they was... like weren't able to edit it at speed. Uh, it's very possible, but... But also you could go back and fix it later. I mean, only if you have the money. That's true. Never mind. Yeah. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that I think you're right, though, when you say that because of those things, I think it does forgive a little bit mm-hmm. of the rough edges. Like, the fact that you see that crew member in the first, like, three minutes of the movie, you're like, all right, this is what we're in for. It's kind of like that thing. Like, we, we go to a Marvel movie. If, like, the smallest thing with the story is off, we're going to latch on to that because yeah. we know everything else was a hundred billion dollars worth of work and looks pristine so if the story <laughs> is off we're gonna be like oh guys come on people yeah. were picking apart something i'm not gonna do any spoilers for infinity war just so you guys are aware but i've seen people picking apart things on on uh you know online on twitter and stuff about some of the story choices and i'm like oh come on yeah. <laughs> really but that's the thing is like well alternately sorry but no. like to both of your points uh a lot of people were picking apart how bad Wakanda looks in Black Panther because the story was really strong. And so like... Yeah, what are you going to latch on to? And also you're used to like otherworldly stuff that looks really, really like you can forgive a lot of stuff and just go with it when it comes to CGI. But Black Panther that is supposed to be Wakanda, a not real, but on the ground level, earth-based place. You're just like... Is that what trees look like? Is that? I don't. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't I mean, remember it looking bad. I guess I didn't yeah. mind, but I saw a lot of commentary about that specific thing. And I'm like, you're nitpicking now. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I find it a challenge because I nitpick most CG. Yeah. Like I am yeah. specifically, I struggle with a lot of CG, which is weird because like I had, I was the one defending a CG choice in uh, Infinity War as we all walked out. Um, one of the characters is full CG, and yeah. you and Rachel were like, why didn't they just? Well, put her face and I was like, you know what? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I think that's an interesting point that like maybe we're when you see something like this. And I actually think this is kind of true because my friends used to make really bad Super 8 movies and they were terrible, but they were so much fun to watch. One, because I knew them, but also because, well, for those, the performances were fun. Like my friends were really good at just hamming it up in front of the camera. The the main problem I have here is like there's there are no characters to really latch on to. Yeah. And I couldn't tell if that was intentional. Like like were they trying to say you don't know who's going to die and you don't know who's going to make it because they're all nobody. Yeah. Um, or was it just well, they all knew that Ash was going to be the only one who made it. That's why they need that's why they gave him a cool name. You know, Ashley. Uh, Ash, the well, Ashley Williams. <laughs> okay. Ashley Williams. Um, but like Ash, that's a great name. And take that, Scotties of the world. Yeah. <laughs> Cheryl. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's a weird. I think him living is a twist. I think probably at the time it might have been right. 
I don't know. He's a very unlikely one to have lived through the whole thing. Right, because he doesn't come across as a hero. No, mm-hmm. he's like, like the chicken at first. He well, won't chop up Shelly. They... He's the map nerd. Yeah. yeah. Like, and... <laughs> Who doesn't know how to read maps. <laughs> well, fair. to be fair, Scotty shouldn't have been looking at him the entire time he was trying to read the map. Like Somehow that would help him Yeah, but understand. he takes so long to figure out where they are. He does take a very long time to figure out what the Tennessee border is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Gosh. Um, also, they try and set up Scotty as the one who's going to take charge. Yeah. And then he's immediately, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, because he offers to go down to the basement first. But then he plays it off as a joke and he pranks his friend Ash and he's a mean guy. Yeah. And yeah. I think in a, a more conventional movie, Linda would be the one who lived through it, probably. Yeah. She gets a lot of screen time and mm-hmm. a lot of dialogue, at least in that part when he gives her the gift. I think, I honestly, that part. Yeah. Oh, that God, scene is terrible. That is, the, that is scene is bar- very bad. That, that is, scene <laughs> does not need to be in the movie for any reason. No, no, it that does. is the second most scene that made me uncomfortable. Needs, like, second most. A... But there definitely was a callback to it. So There's I a reason it. in that he needed the necklace. As a grappling hook? Also, an incredibly <laughs> dumb, <laughs> right. dumb. Oh, but, no, like, but they also did the callback her... when she was not dead, which yeah. I appreciated. I'm like, well, at least he did something with that. But you can have her just wearing that necklace. And then it come up later. You don't need to like have a whole scene where he gives it to her. Yeah. Oh, and the opening the eyes. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They like focus the and go back and playing. forth on them, like opening their eyes and closing their eyes, but missing each other, opening, having their eyes open back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it just keeps going. <laughs> and it's like a no, super, super cute. close Leave up of along. just their eyes. And it doesn't end. And then <laughs> finally, when it doesn't, it's just like, here's. A magnifying glass necklace. It's a very ugly necklace, but why do you hate romance? <laughs> I, don't, I don't hate romance. The, ro- the, the moments was fine. It was the shots that were just like yeah, okay. super, super close up to their eyeballs. I'm like, let's make me uncomfortable. Let's back up a little yeah. bit. It does yeah. make it kind of cool when she does it when she's a zombie. Yeah, that's the one yeah. thing yeah. that I'm like, all right, well, that was better. Yeah. Well, well, I think that's part of that part is effective in like I think she's the creepiest zombie yeah. by far when she's like oh, got yeah. the little girl voice going on and she's sitting in the doorway like. You're all gonna die, kind of mm. mode. Yeah. And well, and this like, is something that I think is very effective. Is that moment? I really wanted it to stop because it was grating on me. Like the, when she's and then the other one's dead by dot or whatever she's yeah. screaming because she when she's banging on the cellar door yeah. trying oh, to yeah. get out. And like, there's just so much noise happening that I'm like, yeah, okay, this is terrible. Yeah, like, and it leads to Ash like taking a shotgun and pointing it at his girlfriend's face. Yeah, and, and it's then like, smacking her, which yeah. leads me. To today's dramatic reading. Shut up, Linda! This has been today's episode (laughs) of Dramatic Reading. It's a little Mm. shorter than last week's. You know, but I feel like it was the funniest thing. Like, shut up, Linda! (laughs) The actual, like, heart-wrenching moment, like, that comes after that, and, like, I think a very effective moment is when she, like, transforms back into normal Linda oh, yeah. for a yeah. second yeah. and is like Ash no and he's like like most people would be in that moment like he was just about to blow her face off and he decides like oh wait sh- Linda's still in there I don't I can't do this and yeah. then of course it's the trick but Spooky. it works and it's something that again they 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 had that idea for these tricky demons mm-hmm. right and <laughs> alternate title for this movie <laughs> tricky <laughs> demons the tricky demons, demons too. <laughs> um that they go further with mm. in the sequels yeah which I appreciate in the sequels, like the, the demons, because that again answers the question, like, why aren't they just all dead? And then you get, oh, the demons are assholes. Yeah, they start to get more personality. Yeah. And like, especially in the series. Good for them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, they, well, they, they, where the, the idea is that they want to play with their prey. 
right? They they're they have fun with making people really scared before they kill them, mm-hmm. which you kind of get a hint at here, but at the same time, it it's not clear enough for that to feel like a choice. Yeah, yeah. No. A weird nitpick I had is at the very beginning when Cheryl first comes in, she's like, "Why did you disturb our ancient slumber?" And that's like not the that's not what the demons care about. Right after that point, mm-hmm. they wanted them to do it. They yeah. were like inviting them to do it. Join us. Yeah, yeah. Like what? <laughs> that was actually the tagline that they kept saying over and over again. Yeah. Join yep. us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> complain. That None of us has up. an answer yeah. for that. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's a, I think the motives of the demons is not clearly laid out. No. Like I, I, th- I don't think we know like why they come back, what that means for the world, what that means for this cabin. Like mm-hmm. we don't know why they want him to join them. We don't know like why they choose raping of one person and not just arbitrarily oh, attacking. Yeah, we Let's haven't talked talk about, about that scene. elephant in the room. Yes, uh, taking a page from Dear Hank and John. Yeah, the elephant in the room is tree, tree sexual rape. assault. Yeah. yeah, and it is. The worst. It's a it's a hell of a scene, man. It's so like, long. It's, it's also very long. It's scene. very long. Um, very unnecessary. Completely yeah. unnecessary. <sighs> you know, they were twenty. Genuinely, and... no consequences to this at all. None. None. I don't even think she has any scrapes on her. Like, oh, uh, she's all messed. Up is she? But she was attacked from before. Like, she was yeah. already being attacked. She gets a few little tree scrapes, I guess. Yes. But, like, yeah. it's it's bizarre that this is in there. It is a very, it is one of those things that I think when if anyone was going to say like hey I've heard a lot about this Evil Dead movie should I watch it I'd say yes warning there is a tree rape scene Yeah actually knowing that I had never seen it before when I took the DVD to go watch it Nick was Nick told me you're going to watch it tonight and I said yes and he's like fair warning Yeah there is a rape scene in which a demon tree rapes a woman yes I'm like what and he's like it is that awful yes just so you know and it is it is i'm trying to think like because there are rape scenes in movies that are harder to watch than this yes that is true for me what makes this scene hard to watch is that the filmmakers chose to do it for no reason mm-hmm. and for like just the shock value of having a branch lunge towards a woman's crotch and yeah. then to have her moan in ecstasy. That's yeah. the thing that got me is they were mixing that rape with pleasure. Yes. Yeah. Thing. Because like it's it is a terrifying sequence. Yeah. When it begins. Mm-hmm. And then when it actually like happens, it seems like she starts to like be like, Oh, well, this isn't so bad. And it's like that's where you took the turn for me of like heinous. Well, she yeah. still fights her way out out of them yes that is true yeah. but like there is a moment but she there. tried before right. I know what and you're talking failed about. to yeah. do so yeah. so I'm like yeah. mm. it's it, it's it's weird for a lot of reasons um, the concept of it alone yeah super weird and yeah. they even skate around it in the next episode they or the next movie they they have a, a, her attacked by a tree yeah not raped by is a Cheryl, tree Cheryl's not even in the next one right no it's Bobby Joe who gets attacked oh I forgot about that yeah. she just gets she that's the part I just kept remembering where she just gets dragged like right into yeah. a stone. So person. it's a the thing to me is like, okay, they did I don't want to say a good job, because that's not what I'm trying to say. An effective job. In a, a horror movie should be making you feel depending on the horror movie, it should be making you feel uncomfortable and unsettled and and uh vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's one of the reasons we go to horror movies is to feel that in a safe environment. 
Like we're we're gonna feel these. It's a, it's a way of purging these emotions and and getting uh, getting to feel like we're being chased when we're not being chased. Mm-hmm. If you want to, like that's that's not saying everybody likes to do that. Um, but here, like I felt for her, but I, at the same time, my brain jumped out of the movie and I was like, yeah, why did you do this? Mm-hmm. Why why did you put this in here? Why did you make these? choices my guess would be because they were 20 year old dudes yes yeah and they thought this is fucked up but then they could make so many more choices like that later that they don't make yeah i think that's what makes it kind of weirder yeah i agree i agree like it is an I think outlier when it so when she escapes and she runs back to the cabin where everyone else is she's clearly visibly frazzled but like i don't know there's no sort of like consequences or no like follow-up to that it's mm-hmm. just as far as I'm concerned, like it is a scene that you can go snip, snip on either end, remove it, and it still works fine. Because right. like she because was just we, attacked. Like, we also we have it. Scotty disappears and then comes back and he's like, the trees attacked me. And yeah. we just like take that at face value. We're like, oh shit. Yeah. The trees attacked him and now he's possessed. Might yeah. even be more effective if we didn't see it. If, if she yeah. just came back, just clothes are all ripped up and she's bloody or whatever. And she's saying, no, the trees... And yeah. they were like, what Because she is like yeah. super freaked out. She wants to leave. Ash like goes to help her leave. And it's like, yeah, I think that is a scene you can just completely snip out of there. And yeah. it works. And if you wanted to like, like go a little uh, over the top, like I immediately had a thought in my head. I'm like, you should have just done this of like, what if the tree like was strong enough to like grab her and pull her into the ground? And then that and then like you didn't see anything as you saw her underground and then she escaped like. You were almost buried alive. That is also very messed up, but not nearly as bad as this whole creepy, weird rape scene that's just... It also yeah. is exactly yeah. what the poster for the movie is. It's somebody coming out and of the ground. No, oh, that doesn't it? happen in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know the that. Yeah. Out of the the poster for the like movie is like somebody screaming her. like that. I yeah. have um, not even seen the poster yeah. for the yeah. movie. But it's a real good poster, yeah, actually. It has nothing to do with the movie, no. but it's a very but good poster. But I think, and this is getting a little bit into how we would fix it, so I don't want to like take too much away from that, but I think... The ingredients are all there. Like you mm-hmm. have the scene of her walking out, mm-hmm. like to go investigate a noise, or she thinks someone's out there, so she walks out there, and yeah, just have a quick little thing of the tree pulling her. Yeah. Cut back to what's happening in the cabin. Yeah, yeah. And then, sucks her into the woods, and that's it. yeah. And then yeah. they're hanging out, they're playing cards, they're talking, whatever. And then she busts in the door a few minutes later, like guys, ah. Yeah, yeah. I guess to me it felt like somebody told them you got to have a naked lady in it. And there's got to be a little bit of sex. Well, and that yeah. was that that was very common practice. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Especially a lot of unnecessary in unnecessary sexuality right. in mm-hmm. 80s horror movies. Well, yeah. and a lot of especially in genre, you know, action genre. Um, B movies there was a lot of specifically a lot of rape mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like that was huge back then and I'm not excusing them by saying this but this they didn't think of it as what it was it was very much like you're saying we need a way to get you know the weirdos in here yeah we yeah. need a way for there to be some tantalizingness about yeah. this and it mm-hmm. yeah and we've talked you, about it too in like the Highlander yeah podcast where it's a default it, it was a default uh like trope to indicate bad person, bad thing. Yes. The, the yes. ultimate evil, do this. And they don't think about the repercussions of portraying that in the movies the way they do. It was just like, well, we, we need to make this guy evil. Let's put in a rape scene. Yeah, It's a weird choice, not only because of all the reasons we've already laid out, but again, like you're sexualizing this tree limb. Yeah. yeah. Like what in your, like in the world of the rules of this world, why is that a thing <laughs> that you choose to lay out clearly of like, well, what the trees really want is to keep you from leaving this place, to have demons murder you, and to have sex with your women? 
And it's ne- like, but you, what the fuck? No, no, yeah. The, I think for me, the the weirdest thing is that it's never brought up again. Like it's never the de- none of the other demons are sexual in any nature. No, like, like the, ever in the whole series, basically. Not that I'm yeah. aware of. Um, I mean, there's there's some stuff in in Ash versus Evil Dead where we'll talk, or not Ash versus Evil Dead, um, uh, Army, Army of Darkness, Darkness right. that we'll talk about that kind of deal with that, but like. Yeah. This is a this is weird just because it's like why was that in there? It would be bad, but like fine, whatever. You're a bunch of guys making a horror movie if like it happened to every single person, mm-hmm. like even like if you didn't show it, but like implying, saying, implying, it, yeah. making it clear that oh, this is how this is how this demon possesses things. I would hate it, and I would be, be the worst yeah. idea yeah, be, ever. It'd be even a way worse movie. It would be a yeah. way worse movie, but it would make a little more sense if that makes it like yeah. you know. It's just like, well, this is just what this demon does. Ugh. I don't think there'd be a media empire based on that. Movie. No, there no. would not. <laughs> it, it would just die. Yeah. That would that would be it and over. As it should, but if like that existed, yeah. having this like just arbitrary like thing, just because I don't know, you you thought that that's what horror movies should do, or yeah. like you thought that that was like the creepiest thing that would ever could ever happen like i'm happy that they didn't do it in subsequent things agreed they i don't know what kind of lesson was learned if any but i'm happy that that's just not a thing in in the sequels and that's you know and that's as far as it needs to go Yeah, it leads me to hope that they learned the lesson yeah yeah that maybe someone talked to them about it and was like hey not cool yeah because they weren't they weren't afraid of an x rating like they in no. because they got one for Evil Dead too, and it was Wasn't just this because one of the NC-17? gore. Yeah. Well, this was before NC seventeen, gotcha. so um, it was either R or X. Yeah, it was either R or X, and uh, yeah. So I don't know. You have a chainsaw. Why didn't you use it? Oh, he uses Sorry. it a lot later. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But <laughs> in <true>. the sequels, <laughs> I think that I feel sometimes it does feel like they made the movie and then they forgot they made the movie, <laughs> <laughs> and then they sat down and they watched the movie and they're like, "Why didn't you use that chainsaw? This yeah. is a weird part of the movie with the tree. What? Well, let's make this movie again, but better." But it's like we'll call it a sequel what, though, not a we'll, reboot. Yeah, we'll call it a sequel. The weird thing is, it is a remake. Evil Dead 2, yeah. when you guys watch it, I mean, well, when you watch it, Marianne, because you haven't seen it, nope. it's, and I'll explain why it exists the way it does at the time, but when you watch it, you're going to be like, this is a remake. Yeah, It essentially is, but that does lead me to one of the, the last things I do want to ask you guys about is who has seen the remake? Me. I'm too scared. I have not nope. seen the remake, uh, and I think part of it is because I hold this movie at like a weird precious level of like my high school experience so like uh-huh. a remake of it that doesn't look much like the original wasn't that appealing to me mm-hmm. my problem is more like I don't want to watch a remake of it that isn't fun that doesn't look like it's at least a little it bit it looks like it's actually watch. scary yeah Nick can you tell us a little bit about the remake before we um, move on was my real good but oh, well, uh, I mean you can still make it your real good <laughs> <laughs> like um so the remake is, I think, the movie that Sam Raimi wanted to make. Okay. Uh, it is one of the most beautifully shot films I've ever seen. It was shot digital, but it is stunning. It mm-hmm. looks incredible. The performances in it uh, shift. None of them, with the exception of the lead, uh, they're all kind of like passable. You know, passable, you know, 20 year old actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lead is incredible. 
Like she is amazing in that movie. I think it is a a really good, very effective, very scary horror movie. There is um and this is a weird thing to say too. There is the the rape scene is in it. Mm. It is effective because of her performance and because of that it's been a while since I've seen it, but like I it didn't feel out of place in the remake, the way it feels out of place um in the original. And I don't know why that is. I need to go back and like watch it again just specifically for that. It's a it's a very bizarre thing. Like I, I can say that I, it, there is something tactile about that movie, about the about the remake that I think is really incredible. And actually, I, um, I used that to talk about remakes and reboots in a horror class I taught was to basically say, like, everybody says reboots suck. This film is better than the original. Hands down, without without any cynicism this film is a better made scarier more interesting film because the main character in it is they her friends and her brother are taking her to this cabin to get her off of drugs Mm. so like she can spend a few days there going through her ddts and and you know going through withdrawals and everything and then one of the things they kind of hint at is a lot of the stuff she's seeing you're kind of like well is she seeing it or is she just trying to leave so she can go get her fix? Mm-hmm. They could have played with that a bit more, but like within the context of this film, it's a it's really effective hmm. that sequence. So I think if you like, I I think it's worth seeing. Um, it's a lot of practical effects, which I was really like, I was really afraid of a lot of CG. There's a little bit here and there, but you don't see it. Okay. Um, but again, like if you're not into there are a couple shots in the remake that even a diehard horror film fan, I saw them and was like, had to look away. I was like, oh, God. OK, whoa. Um, <laughs> like it's it's intense. OK, it's really intense. I'm sure I'll watch it someday. And it was uh, at the time it was one of those. It was rated R yeah. and it is an R film. Yeah. Uh, and it is it. it it made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so that was the thing that started us on the road to like Mad Max coming back and being an R rated film and Deadpool and things like that. Like that was the one that I remember that was like, it's rated R, but it's making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say. Yeah. That scene right yeah, there. That's pulled up image yeah. searches and there was Woo! a lady cutting her tongue in half. That's the part. Oh. That's the part I've seen where I'm like, I don't know if I can watch this movie. Yeah. It looks too spooky for me. It's, it's really scary. You saying Mad Max does remind me though, that, when we watched Fury Road, Rachel wanted to go back and watch the Mad Max movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm very curious. I don't know if I'm on the other real bads of Evil Dead. I don't know. Maybe I am. There's only we only have one on there. But oh, okay. We'll, well see I want to be on the other ones because this is my this is oh god. I'm very <laughs> curious about. I rewatched. I when I was a kid, when I was about the same age, I was watching Evil Dead. I was also watching the Mad Max movies. Sure. Yeah. And I remember watching the second one and being like, this is awesome. And then watching the first one and thinking, this is so boring. But then I went back and watched it and I thought the first one was so much better than almost any of the other Mad Max movies that have been made. Fury Road's maybe better, but Mad Max 1 is really good. So I'm curious to see if I like, like if it's the same thing with this, if I like the first one better, but I don't think I will probably. <laughs> 
Look, Road Warrior is one of my favorite movies, so it's kind of. It doesn't make any sense, though. Why do they send the? Why do they send? Uh, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Save that for your Road Warrior podcast. The way I remembered it was he open. Yeah, okay. He opens the thing and the and the sand pours out, and he's by himself. But when he opens the thing and the sand pours out, he's got tons of people around him, and then they have to like circle back around and pick up the kid and the gyro captain, and it's like, why don't they pick up Mad Max too? Because he's mad at him. Because he's Mad Max. That's what it stands for. He's just yeah. mad at him. Mad at those people. Yeah. I didn't come prepared to talk okay, about this we'll talk tonight. About so, it later. That's fine. Um, uh, but yeah, I'd need to watch it again. But okay. I, I love. I think for me, it's like that is like the pinnacle CG-less action film. It's great like, action, but then yeah, we'll talk. I'm about also it. I'm, I'm also a gearhead, and so seeing that. Yeah, sure. Seeing the uh, the V8 interceptor. Yeah. Just in its glory right there. I'm uh, just like, that's amazing. That's true. Mad Max 1 will just break your heart, though. Oh, it's no. It's such a sad movie. I've seen it many times. Well, that's a different one. Okay, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to how we would fix this thing. Um, I am going to go first because I feel like I already said it. You make the remake, mm-hmm. which it's tough because... The remake is obviously 2013 technology and that that that. But the budget for Texas Chainsaw Massacre was fifty thousand dollars less than the budget for Evil Dead, and Daniel Pearl shot an amazing film with two lights and one 16 millimeter camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's beautiful and it looks incredible. And there's no reason that you couldn't have that now. Um, I you know what? In I, <laughs> I would get, cut that rape scene. Um, yeah, because yeah. It, because it is not necessary. The only reason in there is that it's in there is for reasons that I don't appreciate. So it should go mm-hmm. and make it more mysterious in doing that. So there's that. And then uh, I think you just cut this down a little bit here and there. I agree with Marianne that it's like this. Why? God, we can speed this up. Pacing people pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, I think I like the idea of Cabin in the Woods you know, horror movie. I'm totally on board for that. I wanted more rules. Um, and I wanted, it's tough because I've seen the sequels and I saw the sequels first. So, you know, obviously I want that version of Ash, which doesn't exist yet, but I wanted more characters too. I, it's hard for me to feel bad for these characters when I barely can remember their names. Like, I don't know who they are. I don't know what they like. I don't know what they don't like. I don't know what they want. I don't know why they're even here. Like, yeah. why are we all here? I mean, I know that this is a thing that people do. Sam, I know you go out to the cabin with to a cabin with friends occasionally. So yeah. it's a thing that people do. I didn't. So I'm like, I don't. To be fair, that looks incredibly boring, what they're doing. <laughs> it's not a fun looking cabin. There's right? no lake nearby. They're just sitting in a bad room. It's eating terrible. Ba- eating food. That's yeah. all they do the whole time for fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They go to bed. They go to bed so early. They don't even drink a single beer. You got to drink some beers. Yeah. They play mm-hmm. card guessing games and <laughs> yeah. go to bed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which oh, I also really thought stupid. that yeah. could have gone somewhere different. Yeah. Uh, but it uh, anyway. It so, yeah, I think really what they did with the remake is what they could have done with this to make it just. I mean, look at what the Europeans were doing. Yeah. Dario Argento and, and the type of this thing had no atmosphere. Oh, sure. Now you like the Europeans. Hey, <laughs> this was Nicole Sweeney who didn't like the Europeans. Does Texas Chainsaw Massacre predate this movie? Yes. Oh, man. Okay. You're 1974. Right. This movie sucks then. You're yeah. right. There were so many other better movies that came out before this one. Yeah. yeah. There were a lot. All right. A very well shot, yeah. low budget 
films. There were the high budget films. You had The Exorcist. Yeah. You know, which is a very high budget, but also slick movie. But you did have a lot of lower budgeted films. I mean, another film that looks bad, but is much more potent is Last House on the Left Mm -hmm. by Wes Craven. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I I agree, but <laughs> but it it also is shot badly. But there is a potency to it, yeah. that um, really makes you feel things. Sorry, you... I mixed it up with another movie in my head. That's why I had such a strong negative reaction. What I mixed it up with? I'll spit on your grave. Oh, that too. That's a very very bad movie. That's that. on the left. Very also very bad. Yeah, it... yeah and it's awful. Yeah, yeah. But I think spit on your grave takes it to another level. Oh, it yeah. does. Okay. Yeah. It's, let's talk about better movies. Well, yeah, <laughs> more fixes. How about more that? fixes. Yeah. Sam, how would you, a person who really likes this movie, how would you fix it? When I was watching this in high school, I always wished that they, when they had remade the beginning, like the beginning of Evil Dead 2 is basically a retelling of the story from Evil Dead 1. Yeah. But I always liked the idea that Cheryl and Ash were sisters. Our brother and sister? Siblings, yeah. Like, that sibling thing is so interesting and that they omitted her from the beginning of Evil Dead 2 was kind of like, that was the only, like, really interesting character part of the movie. Boy, that's a really good point. So I would like to have She's seen... in Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yeah, and I've seen clips of that. And she's great. Yeah. She's she's terrific. And she's, like, she's taking care of herself. She mm-hmm. looks great. Is she a demon? Because she definitely died and became a um, demon in this movie. Spoilers. Alright, I'm never gonna watch it. <laughs> <laughs> you totally should. It's you really should. fun. It's spooky, but it is fun. I just yeah. couldn't watch it because Rachel was too scared of it. Um, <laughs> I'm just throwing I, Rachel under the bus for this. <laughs> yeah, for like the second time in this episode. Um, <laughs> I, what was I saying? Um, oh yeah, when I was watching it this time I thought, oh, why doesn't she get more credit? because she's like a huge part of this movie. And in my head, she was an even bigger part of the movie. Mm. I remembered more of her in the basement, which I think I'm conflating with the mother in the basement in the second one. Oh, yeah. Um, so I would have liked to have seen them just totally remake Evil Dead 1 in their new style, in Sam Raimi's like new style, yeah. before he made Evil Dead 2. Because I liked that original idea of them going to the cabin together and all his friends get chopped up instead of just his girlfriend getting chopped up. Yeah, I think it's like, it's more interesting in a way. So I would just have them expand on what they did in Evil Dead 2, put Cheryl back in there, because I think that is a cool, <clears throat> like a cool twist on on it. So yeah. just remake it in, at the time. They couldn't do it now, but at the time. No, at the time, I get that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know, but as it stands, mm-hmm. I think it's fine. I would, <laughs> I would cut out the tree rape scene. Because I want to show it to my kids someday or something, and I'll have to cut it out myself. Yeah. But uh, but I I I liked it way more. I was very nervous to watch it because I thought I love this movie. I can't watch it now. I haven't watched it in fifteen years or whatever. But I still really enjoyed it. I don't That's think great. there's much to fix. Marianne. Uh well, obviously I'm gonna <laughs> cut the rape scene. Yeah. Um, I also I feel like all of us. Yeah, yeah. no, that's that's just a given. I, yeah, hope, I don't yeah. think anybody's gonna. Yeah. I feel like die everybody on that who hill. made no. the movie would do um, the same thing but too. But I felt that. So if you cut that and then cut, just tighten up all of everything, all of the edits. You have sure. at least twenty minutes in there, possibly more, to, uh, like, sit with the characters a little bit more and like get to know who they are because, like, in all honesty, the whole movie itself is fine like the premise of it is fine obviously we talk about some technical and uh another like skill problems here 
Um, but yeah, spend a little bit more time. Skill problems. Skill problems. <laughs> That's how I'm putting that on my resume. Skill <laughs> problems. I have skill problems. Or skill solutions. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was like a weird term that like business people would throw around. Yeah. Like, he's got great skill solutions. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like he like synergizes his skill yeah. solutions. Yeah. Sorry, um, go ahead. Sorry. But yeah, so like just give us a little bit more time because that was the other thing that it starts very quickly and very abruptly. Yeah. So maybe a little bit more time just getting to know these characters so that I care why. Like I care that they are all turning into demons and getting chopped up and all that fun stuff. Like that would be nice. Mm -hmm. Um also, just figure out your set of rules beforehand and keep it consistent. Yeah. That's like a nice, simple thing that would fix <laughs> a lot. Um, Feels like a cooking show. This is a nice, simple nice thing simple you can make. Fix. <laughs> nice, simple fix. Um, in my heart of hearts, it would have been nice if there was someone there to just at every different avenue where a character does something outrageously irrational and stupid just goes, wait, 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 wait. why are they doing this again? Let's let's think about this. Why? Um, just to tighten up a little bit of the, of the actions and the behaviors and that type of stuff. Sure. But overall, yeah, I think that would be my fix. Just like tighten it up, clean it up, get rid of the stupid continuity errors and just make it a little more straightforward. Sure. You know what really bothered me? That she could have come in through one of those windows at the end of the movie. Oh yeah. Whenever she wanted to. Yeah, the entire time. Yep. And he doesn't even pay attention to the mo- the windows because I, I guess they probably well, said, and it's like the, maybe the we'll biggest, most blatant window right window. next to him. Well, and it's like, oh, wait for it. <laughs> no. Also, also, let's not forget that like in this cli- climactic scene where Ash is trying to get uh, the Necronomicon or the book because it doesn't actually call the Necronomicon in this yeah. movie. They don't say it ever. No, it's some, something else. He's trying to grab it to put it in the fire. Both Scott and Cheryl are in the room. Scott is the only one attacking him, pulling him away from the book and the fire. And Cheryl's just there. Yeah, yeah. she's just standing there. She's there for a really long time. I'm like, why aren't you attacking this guy? She was, What's wrong with you? She was revving up She leisurely goes up to the fire to grab a weapon, picks out the best one to stab him, then leisurely walks back and tries to stab him. him. She yeah. doesn't even try to stab oh, yeah. him. She she's just whacks him. him a whack. So yeah. like, that's the other thing of like, come on, tighten up some of these things that yeah. Took way too long and like be consistent with your characters. Yeah. What are they doing? Yeah. yeah. Matt. Uh, I mean, I think you guys said most of the good <laughs> stuff to like <laughs> fix. Like, I think I agree with almost everything you guys have said. Um, I think at the end of the day, though, I do like come back to like what Sam wrapped up with of like, I love this movie at a certain level. And I think so much of it is like the inexperience that sure. caused so much of the like the foibles mm-hmm. like throughout the filmmaking and all that. So there's only like so much you can even do to fix it. But I, I do think like cut the tree rape scene and lean into the sibling thing more yeah. or all the relationships. Like yeah. I don't, Scotty and Shelly didn't seem to care about each other at all. No, he like, really didn't seem to care about mm-hmm. Shelly yeah. one little bit. So like leaning into those relationships yeah. Yeah. even a little bit more would make yeah. a better movie. I so. think what it, it almost feels like they were afraid at first. Like this is something that I have felt a lot in, in my work and stuff is like they could have gone all the way with it from the beginning, but they were just like, oh, I don't know if we can do this. I don't know how much dialogue we should write. It'll probably won't be very good. And then towards the end of the movie, they were like, Ash is a wacky guy. He's throwing himself in the bookshelves. There's white goose burton everywhere. 
so they like were on, they they've shed the fear and started to make the good movie. And yeah, they didn't go back and like rewrite parts of the movie that were they're like. That oh, sounds, they were too that tired. Sounds too hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sounds very hard. Um, okay, well, at this point, we need to rate it, and uh, I rate all these films based on category system. Category one, eh, not too bad. Category five, it is the worst, and you should beware. This is a category three. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really middle of the road bad movie for me. I'm I it's it's got enough in it that it is not catastrophic. Mm-hmm. It's not things, um, and it's not as infuriating as Highlander two. Um, it's just like the things like the rape scene where I'm like, yeah, that you there were so many other good choices you could have made and you didn't make them, and it just looks bad. It, yeah, <laughs> so it's a it's a three. Um, I feel like that's probably a bit harsh, but that's what I'm going with. Sam, you seem irritated by this, so I'll let you I go next. I was just irritated by you being so mean to Things again. <laughs> things, <laughs> things is the movie that, that is made by people who are unafraid of anything, but also don't know how to make a movie. It is the literally exact mirror universe image of this movie. Because they knew what they wanted to make from the beginning, they just are just were so stupid they couldn't do any of it right at all. <laughs> But somehow it still makes something to me that is as affecting as Evil Dead. Okay, so what do you rate Evil Dead? No no flushes. Don't flush this movie. <laughs> this movie made the world a better place in the end, I think. This movie gave us a hell of a franchise. Yeah. I think I it also that. inspired a lot of other filmmakers. A lot filmmakers. of other yeah. board games, movies, TV yeah. shows, like just like the Necronomicon. I know it's from, it's from H.P. Lovecraft, but like... Yeah, it's from Evil Dead. More, I uh, le- I learned about the Necronomicon through Evil Dead before I knew. Oh, for sure, me know, too. Yeah. So, yeah, Marianne, how do you rate this? Uh, so my rating system is screeching tea kettles, which is how much I just strongly dislike a thing or I'm bored with a thing. Um, original, well, not originally, but I'm gonna give it four screeching tea kettles. That's bad. That is very bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Kelly Clark, uh, the from Kelly Justin Kelly got two and a half. Oh. Was that where the screeching tea kettles comes from? No. Okay. It's just the way that I watch movies is like if I get oh. bored or annoyed or angry, I like uh. can't help myself but get up and go make tea. some tea. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it takes a very long time. And so like the longer or the shorter the movie and the higher, the more tea kettles I have, the more likely I am to burn my mouth and prefer to burn my mouth over actually Whoa. watching a movie. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So it would have been three except that the rape scene was in there. Yeah. Sure. That makes it four. So, uh, yeah, for reference, Catwoman was five and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Justin to Kelly was two and a half. Right. Oh, this is not an out of five scale. No. no it could gotcha. go It could go infinite. Yeah. So I this like is... the idea that it was a five scale. <laughs> yeah, that is. And then no. Catwoman got five and a half. No, no. <laughs> it's, yeah, no. So this is an 85-minute movie. Catwoman was a little bit longer. Catwoman so this went... seemed transcendently painfully It was very yeah, painful. Yeah, I'm really glad I got to miss that one. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, Matt? Yeah. Uh... I'm kind of in Sam's boat where <laughs> I love this movie. I see its flaws. A lot of them are charming. Some are not, obviously. I think that's fair, um, though, to say, like, this. it's bad. I understand it, but it's charming. Yeah, and I think seeing it at a certain time in your I life don't find it charming. has a lot of effect on you. Like, yeah. the fact that I watch this movie so much with friends and that, like, sure. I my best friend from high school and college was, like, our friendship was based around a lot of these bad movies and, like, a girl I was dating, like loved these movies in high school and stuff so it was like very formative years type yeah. thing here and so it definitely 
has a lot of nostalgia for me. So uh, I give it a four out of five on the possessed mushroom puppet scale, which is just and that's a, good. That is good. Yes. <laughs> that, is, that is just uh, an enjoyment out of five. I want somebody to create a wiki for us that has all of our ratings. Yeah. Good mm-hmm. luck. I didn't even explain mine. Mine's the European toilet flushing thing. Where oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> one little flush for pee and one big flush for poop, and you can flush as many times as you need to. And this one, you wouldn't This one is going on the sink so you can look at it while you're pooping. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, uh, let's move on to our final segment, which is real good. What we recommend to you to try to get the taste out of your mouth from Evil Dead. Uh, I had already said that the remake was going to be my real good. But since I've already talked about that, I want to recommend the series Ash versus Evil Dead. At least the first two seasons. I didn't like the third season, but the first two seasons are really a lot of fun. But you liked the last episode, too, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I did. Okay. I thought the last episode was uh, pretty grand, okay. um, even though it still had problems that were linked to the rest of the series. But anyway, uh, so yeah, check out Ash vs. Evil Evil Dead, it's on Netflix, and it's scary and funny. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Matt, what's your real good? Uh, I feel like mine's obvious, and somebody else maybe also had this one on their list, so I feel bad if I'm stepping on your toes here. And I've also recommended it several times on this podcast because it's very good, but it is the most obvious one, I think, and that's Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yeah. Uh, because yeah. that is a movie that has very clear rules, has like characters that are defined enough and their relationships are defined enough that, like, you care about them. Uh, and, yeah, it's clearly Evil Dead inspired and just takes it in a whole other, like, way. Yeah, there's a sharp left turn. At some sharp point. Yeah. left turn, like, two minutes into, not two minutes, but, like, very early on in the Maybe movie. ten that, minutes, I'd yeah. say. Have you seen that movie? Nope. Oh, oh Especially you, now that you've seen Evil so Dead. So many rules. Yes. You'll love it. You so many rules. It makes very, so much sense, too. It's a very, I think, honestly, Chris I Chris Hemsworth. <gasps> oh yeah yes I think you would enjoy it not just because it's a good movie but because of like what I know about you and like what <laughs> you like out of movies and just life yeah. I think this would satisfy a lot of the things oh yeah I like, like so many things though yeah not because well, this, movie this movie has, has a lot of every things. single thing in it yeah, oh, yeah. Really does. yeah so yeah everyone and Marianne go watch <laughs> Cabin in the Woods I loan you my copy oh thanks yeah, yeah. yeah. Sam, what's your real good? Um, I have a mine is not a movie again. I have a very distinct memory. I can have two, I guess, uh, of watching this movie while in my room, hanging out with my brother, playing a board game called Zombies, which people have probably played before. But it is zombies! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! And you basically start out in the middle of this town, and you have the game board is made of like these little cards that are city streets that fit together so it can grow into like a board the like the the as big as your the room that you're in is or mm-hmm. like the table that you're playing on so you're exploring this town trying to find bullets and stuff and like there's zombies chasing you and somebody's playing as the zombies and somebody's playing as the people and i remember watching this movie and playing that game and like that was a good day so play zombies <laughs> there you go it's a very dumb bad game but it's also super fun and it's like it's just uh, good. And also watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 because I've been oh, thinking about that movie a lot. Lately. No. That's so funny. Good. <laughs> it's going to be that. on here. <laughs> Wait, also well, or the sequel? Watch the sequel. Okay, but there you go. Yeah. Yes. No, the first one is one of the best movies ever made, and the second one, wow. It's so good. No, it isn't. It's so funny. <laughs> okay, well, this is a discussion for later. Matt has okay. a thing he has to get to. Uh, Marianne, what is your real good? You had a bunch. Yeah, I had actually five because I figured... Five? Yeah, I had five. Uh, but I'm just going to give you one because mm. none of you said any of them, so I'm just saving them for other oh, things. Oh, you had five just in case. Yes. No, I just thought of five. Oh, okay. 
I just thought of five, and oh. I'm like, I can go last because if anyone picks mine, I have plenty more. Okay. None of you picked any of mine, so well, great. But the most obvious for me, and just I love this movie so much, is Get Out. Mm. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. such a like it is the opposite of this in mm-hmm. that it is a thoughtful clever yeah. like very well made very well put together horror movie mm-hmm. and like talking about how horror movies are meant to make you feel like vulnerable and like frightened for yourself in a very yeah. safe space like this movie just like takes it up and be up and above everything uh, every other horror movie I've ever seen personally um, it is very like real very grounded movie um, with still like a very bizarre concept that is very con- common in horror movies. Yeah, not this one particular, but just like having a very weird, what is this even concept? Yeah, know, is common in horror movies. Um, and it even like, uh, I just love that it it very much takes a it's it's a horror movie that talks about something because that yeah. those are the horror movies that I like the most are ones that are used as allegories for yep. something real in an every, every everyday life. And this one obviously talks about racism and what it is like to be a black man. Mm-hmm. Or you can probably extend that to any sort of minority um, persecuted person yeah. in the world today. It's very, very good. It's so good. It's, I love <laughs> it so much. And I'm kind of offended that none of you brought it up but it's okay because i got to <laughs> yeah i love it so I much feel like for, we've recommended it before yeah, yeah you have for other yeah. things and i also just like if you see cabin in the woods it for me that's why it was I, most obvious yeah I was like cabin in the woods it's is, pretty much yeah. evil dead with a twist yeah yeah like, but bradley whitford's also in so. that yeah yes. and he's oh, great yes. and he's so good yeah, yeah. He and Richard Jenkins are just so great. Yeah. Anyway, but Get Out is, also has a very satisfying set of rules. <laughs> yeah, very satisfying set <laughs> yeah. of rules. Yeah, and it like, oh, and there's so many layers to that movie. And there's a so scary many layers. Basement. So and a scary basement, yeah. and there's like a twist in there that yeah. like, mm-hmm. depending on the type of person you are, you either feel that twist or you don't, and it's so good. Yeah, I love it so yeah. much. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of Real Bad. Thank you guys for coming by and talking about Evil Dead with me. I've enjoyed this very it's much. The evil Dead? You're, it is, it the is evil the, dead. You're evil correct. Dead. Yes. I've not gotten it right once, I don't think. <laughs> Sorry. We'll uh, get it right in the title of the podcast. Marianne, where can people find you? I am on the socials that I am on at MFDes Silva. Okay. Sam, you've got a podcast to promote. I do have one. It's called Real Love, and it's one that I do with Rachel, who I mentioned a bunch of times. It's a movie review podcast where we each pick a movie a week, and we make each other watch it, or we just go to the movies, which we do too much to actually do the concept of our podcast very frequently, but it's still really fun. Um, and you can listen, you can search Real Love on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can follow us at Real Love. Uh, pod on Twitter. Excellent. Yeah. Matt? Uh, I am everywhere on the internet at Matthew Gatos. Sweet. And I am at NG Jenkins on the Twitters. And if you want to follow Real Bad, you can follow us on Twitter at Real Bad Pod. And of course, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Uh, we are a part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can go to cageclub.me and check out some of our partners like Winona Forever. Um, and have a good time with nostalgia and movies from the 80s and 90s, although we're creeping into the 2000s now with some of their stuff, which is great. Um, and that's going to do it for this episode. And until next week, this has been Real Bad.